going to go to Matthew chapter 5, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, as we continue on in our series, beginning with the Beatitudes. I, I can't, I couldn't encourage you any more than to just say, if, I, I, so you're going to say something, preacher? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's going to come out here in a minute, it's going to come out. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I, I truly believe if we're born again by the Spirit of God, we're saved by the grace of God, if we did not have any other portion of Scripture other than Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we studied it intently, that we could be good Christians. No, no, we'd study it, apply it to our life. I'm telling you, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is probably some of the most challenging scriptures in the Bible, the, the, the Beatitudes, of course, where we're at now, and then on into the Sermon on the, on the Mount. I mean, just powerful stuff. But a lot of it's hard to take. There's big parts of it that are like strong medicine. You need a little sugar to help it get down. But I'm telling you, the principles that are laid out there in one of the most powerful messages, if not the most powerful message that we have recorded of Jesus teaching, preaching, Mercy, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But it starts with the Beatitudes. And really, if we don't get a grip on this, the Beatitudes here, then it's hard to get on into Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because it is very strong meat. It truly is strong strong meat. And so with the, uh, the theme for the year, uh, New Beginnings, and then we've just started out here beginning with the Beatitudes. Anyway, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1 And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're going to focus there on verse number 8 where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The title of the message this morning, A Heart for God. Let's pray. We'll get right on into it. Father, we, we are very thankful to be in this place today. We're thankful for this beautiful place that you have given us to gather together and meet. And Lord, our desire, our heart's desire right now is that you would meet with us, Lord, that you would illuminate your word, uh, Lord, that you would use it to speak to hearts. If someone is in this place or even watching by live stream that does not know Christ as their personal Savior, that you would convince them of that, you would convict them, that you would draw them by your precious spirit, that they may come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. And then for us that are saved, Lord, we want to be followers. We want to be disciples. So help us today with your word uh, that we might better, that we might better follow you, that we might better be who you would have us to be for the rest of our years here on this earth. Bless your preaching now. We need your power and thank you for what you're going to do in advance. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please do be seated. So here we are. We're sitting with Jesus and his 12 disciples apart from the multitudes. The Bible says that that there were great multitudes following him, that he, Jesus, went up into the mountain, and when he was set, that his disciples, the 12 that were following him at the time, came up to him and sat down there. He's not preaching the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount to the multitudes, because the multitudes really were not ready to receive what he was going to teach and preach at this point. 
the multitudes were following him because of the miracles. They, 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 they wanted to see the miracles. They, they wanted to be fed. Uh, they were looking for him to set up his kingdom at that time. I mean, a earthly kingdom where they, would, where they would prosper, where they would have positions. I mean, they were looking for that. We're going to know that God has another plan. Uh, his kingdom is coming. Absolutely. But God had another plan. And so the multitudes weren't ready for this. They weren't ready to be taught the things that, that uh, he was going to teach at this point. We could say that we, uh, through this, were sitting in the discipleship class with Jesus. And the things that he has to teach us here in the Beatitudes, and again on into the Sermon on the Mount, are not easily accepted by most today. These truths, these principles uh, to live by are meant for those that have decided they are, they are ready to follow and they're ready to learn from the Lord. If our lives have, have not been devoted to Him, I mean, I, I mean, if our lives really have not been committed and devoted um, to Him, uh, uh, it, 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 the things in these texts that we're going through are going to be much too radical for the marginal Christian. They're, they're, they're just much too strong. And really, most of us, need a radical change in our Christianity. We need to see God for who He is and decide we're ready to go the way that God would have us to go, that we would leave ourselves behind, we die daily, even as, even as the Bible teaches us, and that we would live our life for Him. Just think how many people in our society, just think about this, I mean, how many people in our society today have a great desire to be poor in spirit? I mean, being a person of humbleness or a person of sincere humility and how many do we know that are ready to mourn over their sins against a holy God and showing true repentance for, for uh, such things because they have, it, have offended God have offended him most people today would laugh would just outright laugh if we told them that Jesus blesses those that are meek come on he said it blessed are the meek but most people would just laugh about that because the outgoing dog-eat-dog -dog mentality seems to dominate schools and workplaces and even some homes. And, 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 and we surely have a shortage of people that are truly hungering and thirsting after righteousness or doing right in the sight of, of God. And, uh, because most people, hunger, most people hunger and thirst after their own fleshly appetites with the willing a willingness to fulfill their fleshly appetites at any cost, even losing a spouse or losing children, and sometimes their very lives. I mean, they're going to do what they want to do. And, and, and mercy that he talks about here today in our society, I mean, nobody cares about mercy anymore. It's almost unheard of among people today. Revenge? Oh, yeah. We hear about revenge. We want revenge. I mean, that's what people desire today. Show them no mercy. I mean, that seems to be the, Christ, uh, the uh, cry for most people today. Never forgive. I mean, they've done me wrong, and I hope that karma gets them right back, whatever karma is along the way. Forgiveness seems to be harder to come by these days, doesn't it? It's just not in this world's mindset. And now Jesus tells us, that we will be blessed if we're pure in heart. If we're pure in heart. Well, what's that all about? Well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me preface it with this. Um, if we choose not to be poor in spirit, not to be humble, and if we're not willing to mourn over the sins, our sins against God, and we have no desire whatsoever to practice uh, real meekness in our lives, and we, we have no hunger or thirst for righteousness or doing right in the sight of God. And if the last thing we ever want is to practice uh, uh, showing mercy and forgiveness to those that have done us wrong, then there's no real reason to think we will ever be pure in heart. It begins to work to get us to that situation. However, we can't deny this fact, Jesus said, humbleness brings blessedness. And he said, mourning over sins brings blessedness. And he said, having a meek spirit brings blessedness. And hungering and thirsting after righteousness brings blessedness. And being a person that's willing to show mercy, even though the one that has done them wrong does not deserve mercy, brings blessedness. And over and over and over again, Jesus said, we will be blessed Blessed, 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 blessed. Look, I'm not sure what you're thinking right now at this point, but that sounds pretty good to me. 
I desire to live a blessed life. I want the blessings of God upon my life. I want the blessings of God upon my family. I want the blessings of God upon our church. I I want the blessings of God. And since uh, Jesus is the one that's teaching this, I'm pretty sure that we can uh, bank on it. If he says it, we know it's true. And now he says that we're going to be blessed if we are pure in heart. So let's give attention to that for just a few minutes here. The subject of uh, holiness, uh, of purity of heart, can be found from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of the Revelation. No, this thing of purity, this thing of holiness, I know you don't hear about it a whole lot anymore, but I'm telling you, it's a main subject in the Bible. Purity, holiness. This is one of those things that is spread throughout the Bible and pretty much touches every other biblical truth, this issue. See, pure in heart speaks of being cleansed. And it doesn't mean mean sinlessness because, I mean, if, if we're saved, we're sinners saved by the grace of God. And we're not going to be sinless until we finally go to meet Him in the air. That's when we'll finally be sinless. So it's not speaking of sinlessness, but it's speaking of a single heart. What do you mean, preacher? Well, not divided between God and the flesh. We have a singleness of heart, pure of heart. And the place of purity is the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, it doesn't say blessed are the pure in arms or blessed are the pure in feet or blessed even the pure in body. But the heart. And the word heart here in this verse is a very, very important word. It's talking about the emotions and the will and the intellect. So let's think about that for just a minute. Excuse me. The emotions. Emotions are real, aren't they? But they're not always reality. Jesus said in uh, John chapter 14, verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. So this is a condition that can be controlled by each person. No, no, he said, let not. And that puts a responsibility on the individual. He's talking to us. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your emotions overtake you. Let not your emotions guide you when they shouldn't be guiding you. Come on, God created us as emotional beings, and there's nothing wrong with emotions unless they get out of control. Come on, anger is nothing but an emotion. And when it gets out of control, it's a horrible thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely so. And all the other uh, uh, emotions. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Each of us will determine within ourselves whether or not we have a troubled heart. And really the truth is, most do have a troubled heart. No, just being honest and open, I mean, just being transparent, most people do have a troubled heart. Many have allowed their heart to be troubled, um, agitated, uh, stirred, or or uneasy. Uh, I mean, troubled. And again, it could even mean angry. They've allowed their heart to be angry. And a troubled heart usually comes from circumstances, the circumstances around us. We're surrounded by circumstances, aren't we? Come on, whether they be good circumstances or bad circumstances, we are surrounded by circumstances all the time. And a troubled heart usually stems from our circumstances. It may be financial woes, maybe physical problems, maybe family issues, just fears in your life about different things. And each one of those could be abused differently. Each one could be left to fester and to grow and to despondency and even depression. But we're not to allow our heart to be troubled. We're not to let our heart be troubled. It's a decision we make. Look, we're either, we, we're either focusing and depending upon the circumstances around us or we're focusing and depending upon God and what He says. And God says over and over again in His Word, fear not. Fear not. <clears throat> be careful of nothing. I, I'm, we're not supposed to be like that. No, 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 no. It will lead to a bad place. So the emotions play into this, into the heart. And then the will, our own will. Over in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says Daniel purposed, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And that word purposed over there just means determined. 
It means that Daniel made a decision that he determined, that he purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He was going to do what God would have him to do and not what everybody around him was doing. He was going to do what God would have him to do and not just what everybody expected him to do. He was going to trust God and do it God's way. He purposed in his heart. We're, we're, we're talking about every part of the heart. It, it, speaks of, it speaks of controlling our heart. Proverbs chapter 2, uh, 23, verse 19 says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. We're to guide our heart. No, no, no. If, we're feel, if we are failing to guide our heart, then it's usually leading us around. We're to guide our heart in a way that God would have it to go. It's important that we do such. Or pretty soon we're doing things that, uh, well, we shouldn't be doing. And then, and then the intellect. Over in Mark chapter 2 and verse number 8, Jesus said, Why reason ye these things? In your heart. Why reason ye these things in your heart? There was a time in that setting, there was a time that some of the scribes were observing the healing of the man uh, that was sick of the palsy, uh, that was brought to Jesus by his four friends over there in Mark chapter number 2. And they sat, these, 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 these scribes, they sat and they watched and they thought to themselves. They were thinking to themselves. Um, Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse number 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. So they're pondering uh, in their minds as to Jesus' authority. Who gave him the authority to do this? And why in the world is this going on? So they were, no, no, please get this. They were intellectually challenged by what they saw. Come on, they they saw Jesus heal this man of the palsy, palsy. They saw it happen. Come on, they saw this man that had been sick of the palsy for the biggest part of his life, and now all of a sudden he's walking. He's carrying his bed. Come on, they saw it with their own eyes. But instead of just receiving it by faith, man, oh man, what a great, what a great thing happening there. They didn't do that. No, no, they, they, the wheels got to turn in. And how did he do that? Why did he do that? What's going on here? And I can't explain that fully with what I'm, no, no, no. They questioned it. And, and, and intellectuals, intellectuals usually do question things. Some of them have problems with their faith. They, 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 they have to reason everything out. I mean, everything has to add up. Or, or they think that something is wrong if they just can't figure it out in their own mind. They had witnessed the miracle of healing they knew it was real, but because they could not explain it, they didn't want to believe it. Their reasoning was, was so that they could in some way, of course, discredit the Lord. But I, I'm here, to, I'm here, to, I'm here to, to, to encourage you to not ever let your intellect take place to your faith. God doesn't always work in ways that we can explain. So many times He works contrary to the way that we can explain. And we just have to receive it by faith. Just because you cannot fully understand it or explain it away doesn't mean that God cannot do it. Because God can do it. So we put all of these, all these three together, the emotion, the will, the intellect, and it's speaking of... Uh, uh, the inner man with, 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 with his many, many functions. Um, the heart, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, the heart is the master controlled unit of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So we have to keep our heart. We have to guide our heart. We have to guard our heart. We have to keep our heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. That word issue, it speaks of the happenings. It speaks of the choices. It, it speaks of the desires of life. The, the Bible teaches us that the heart is the center. Please get this. The Bible teaches us that the heart is the center of all our trouble. That's why we're supposed to guide it. And not let it guide us. Not let it control us. Well, I just don't feel like, hold it, hold it, hold it, written back to the emotions. I'm telling you, we can't run on our feelings. Those, times, those are the times that we have to go to the Word of God and trust God by faith. This is what God says, so that's what I'm going to do. 
Well, it doesn't, just doesn't feel right, preacher. Look, no, 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 no. Don't keep going back to your feelings. I'm telling you. Sometimes we just have to be led by the Word of God. We're trusting God. The condition of the heart spoken of in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Come on, that's what God says about our heart. Well, you just need to follow your heart. That's bad, that's bad advice. No, no, no. The heart can make things sound good. The heart can make things look good. And then lead us into uh, destruction if we're not careful. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we know this, God knows our heart. He knows our heart. And so he tells us that we're to guide it. He tells us that we're to guard it. He, he, tells, he tells us that, that we, we better be careful about it. And he knows the character of our heart. He knows, he knows how it is. He understands that. That's why he wants us to listen to him. That's why he wants us to take his word and apply it to our life. That's why he wants us to allow him to guide us in the way that we should go because he knows the character of our heart. Over in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not the man. So remember, we're talking about why it's important to have a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We do know this. The Bible teaches that from the heart a man is saved. From the heart. It's not that we work hard enough. It's not that we join enough churches. It's not that we're baptized enough. From the heart man is saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I am so very glad that I do not have to trust in my works to get me to heaven. No, no, no. Back in April 1984, when I got down beside my coffee table and called upon God, repenting of my sin, trusting Jesus Christ to my Savior. He saved me just like that. And it's nothing that I did, it's everything that He did. And so the conclusion of all that just is very basic. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. He's the only way anybody ever knows. No, no, He's the only one ever, anyone will ever know salvation. He's the only way that anybody will ever know the forgiveness of sin. He's the only way that anybody can ever truly be born again by the Spirit of God. I say it all the time, but I stand by it. I'm so glad I'm not stuck in some dead religion. Where I just have to work and work and work and hope that one of these days I'm going to get to heaven. I'm so thankful that I'm not stuck in that. I'm so thankful that I can know that I've been saved by the grace of God. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He's the only way to God. The only way. But the Bible also teaches that any success in the Christian life will begin in the heart. Ephesians 6.6 6 says this, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Well, you just said the heart's wicked. No, I said, God said the heart's wicked. But it said you're supposed to be doing the will of God from the heart. Well, I mean, God is the one that said that too. So here, no, 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 here's where the other scriptures come into play. And there's so many reasons that we ought to be studying the Bible, reading the Bible, believing the Bible, because we are to guide our heart in the way. We have to be very, very careful because out of our heart come the issues of life. And so we have to, no, 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 we have to, we have to be pure in heart. Come on, I don't, I don't want to lose you on this turn right here. We, we, have, to be, we have to be pure in heart. What, what does that mean? Well, I mean, we have to be focused upon God and what God wants. Come on, we have to be careful that, that we're not following our emotions and we're not following our own will and that we're not following intellect, but that we are following God. Because so many times the things that God tells us go completely against what we want to do 
goes completely against what the world says that we should do. I, I don't know how many young men I've talked to different Bible colleges across this country and across the years that say, you know, when I told my parents that God wanted me to preach and that I was going to go to Bible college, they just thought I was nuts. My own parents thought I was crazy. I mean, they wanted me to go to college and learn some skill and whatever, and, but God had called me to preach, and this is what I have to do, Brother Marshall. This is what I have to do. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just must follow God no matter what everybody else says or thinks. Isn't it crazy how, how you know, if, if you tell somebody you love Jesus, man, they think that's such a wonderful thing. If you tell somebody you go to church Monday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, they think you're some kind of religious nut. Sometimes we just have to do what God wants us to do. And if, and if we are going to be pure in heart, I mean, if we're going to guide our heart in the way, then we must be willing to do things the way that God wants us to do things. To the best of our ability. No wonder Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Sanctify God in your hearts. No, no, that means put God in first place. No, no, God wants to be on the throne of your heart. People want to throw God into their life. Oh, well, I've got my job and my house, my kids and all these things. Oh, yeah, and God's in there too. Well, that's not the way God wants it to be. God wants to be on the throne of your heart. And I mean, if he is the center of your heart and all of the other things are around, he can make sure all those stay in order. And so we have to be pure in heart, trusting in God, the, the purity of the heart. And purity speaks of being unmixed, unmixed. It, it, it's clean. It's, it's, it's not mixed with foreign objects. It's not mixed with, with uh, uh, foreign persuasions. It's a singleness, a singleness of heart. One purpose, it's driven by one motivation. Get this, get this. A person, get this. A person traveling, this is, a person traveling in all directions goes nowhere. Well, come on, I thought that was deep. <laughs> but it's true. Man, my life before I, uh, before I uh, gave in to the will of God and just follow Him, it just kind of went in all directions. It pretty much led me nowhere. Man, Brother Leo, when I got purpose of heart, Lord, I am yours. Please guide me in the way. He's sure good to do that, isn't he? Well, preacher, I guess you've been perfect ever since. Well, not even close. And I'm sure glad Miss Pam isn't here to tell you all about it. Not even close. But I wouldn't try to. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even begin to trade the life that I have now for all the life I lived before. Saved out of a life of drug addiction. I, 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 I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade the life now I have now for. For, for all, all the, for, 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 I wouldn't trade the life I have now. The world doesn't have enough to offer me. No. And our own flesh is wicked, isn't it? We'll get saved by the grace of God, get on track, and pretty soon old flesh is trying to convince us that, you know, the life we used to live is better, things we used to do are better, things we used to watch, used to listen to, places we used to go, friends we used to have, so much better than this Christian, pure in heart stuff. I can't even believe, you know, all this stuff. Our, our, our flesh is just wicked, isn't it? Yeah. But our heart, it can be purified. It can be purified by, by the Word of God. There, there is but one purifying agent for our heart, and there's no other means to have a purified heart but by the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. By taking heed. Well, what does taking heed stuff mean? Well, very simply, it means this, obeying. It means following the teachings of the Word of God. It means letting the Word of God transform your heart. Because it can. 
I, I mean, we get, we get so full of the Word of God that it directs us. Ephesians 5.26 says that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. So Jesus is saying that the heart has to be single-minded, not double-minded. Over in Matthew, on over in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19, Jesus says this, lay not, up for, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Verse 23 goes on to say this, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So in those verses, Jesus is speaking of three things. He's speaking of a man's devotion there in verse number 20. He's speaking of a man's desire in verse 21. He's speaking of a man's direction in verse 23. And all of those are led by God's Word. Preacher, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Read the Word of God and do what it says. No, no, it, no, no. It's, it's, it's not that difficult. Truly. Read the Word of God. Listen to it taught. Listen to it preached. However God speaks to your heart, do what it says. No, no, no. I'm not saying... Well, let me see, what, is that, what, is that, what does that verse mean to you? Oh, no, 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 there's one, only one interpretation to the Word of God. We take God at, a, at His interpretation, we apply it to our lives, and it guides us the way we're supposed to go. And so many times, Brother Bronner, is completely contrary to the way that we want to go. So how can we have such purity of heart? Stay with me. There's a triangle, if I, if I can put it that way, there's a triangle that we, we, we must relate to correctly in order to have this pure heart. The Bible teaches us, first of all, that we're to be honest with God. We'll put that at the top of the triangle. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Always putting God first. Always putting God first. So let me ask you a question just to be honest with yourself. Can you recall even one time in this past week that you've pushed God aside? I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. You, you can't deceive God. What do you mean, preacher? Well, you, you, you cannot appear to be doing one thing while doing another in His sight. I mean, He knows what's going on in our life. So we put God first. And then the Bible teaches us, second of all, to be honest with others. We're to be honest with others. We'll put that over here on this side of the triangle. We've got God here. Be honest with others. Proverbs twelve seventeen says, He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. So we're to, we're to be honest with others. Um, I, I said to the men yesterday in men's prayer breakfast, I, I said, you know, it's good to have an accountability partner. Now, it's good to have somebody you can be honest with. Now, it's good to have somebody that will ask you every once in a while, are you reading your Bible every day? Are, are you praying the way that you should? I mean, how's your thought life going? Well, that went over real good, didn't it? I can tell. It does us good to not to try to deceive others into thinking that we are something that we're not. It's better just to be honest. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I fall short of the glory of God way too much. I wish I didn't, but I do. So we put God first, and we're honest with others. And then the Bible teaches us thirdly to be honest with self. <clears throat> Matthew, 7, Matthew 7, verse 5, the Bible says this, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mode out of thy brother's eye. So be honest with self. Put God first. Be honest with others. Be honest with self. See, we have to make sure. We have to make sure. Stay with me. We're getting close to the end. We have to make sure 
that we, personal, are right with God. We're honest with self. Oh, come on. No, no, come on, really. Uh, you know. I mean that we would talk to God in all honesty. At times that we would just ask God, Lord, please search me out. Please examine me. Search my heart. There may be something hidden in there that shouldn't be in there. Come on, just honest with self. No, 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 it's a very good thing that we would be so honest with self that we would be willing to go to God and say, Lord, I failed you again today. Don't want to do that anymore. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Been awful hard to read my Bible here lately. My prayer life's about down to nothing at all. I don't get any joy out of going to church anymore. They sing those songs. Everybody seems to be excited. I'm not excited anymore. It seems like the things of this world have overtaken my mind, have overtaken my heart, and I care more about the things of this world than I do the things of God. No, no, it's good to be honest with self and have good, honest conversations with God every once in a while if that's where we are. Because, see, God already knows where we are. He just wants us to admit that we know where we are. And when we do that, He begins to do a work that nobody else can do. Look, you can polish yourself all you want to on the outside. You can have a Jesus bumper sticker and wear a cross around your neck and tell everybody that you love God. But I'm telling you, if that is not absolutely the truth, if you don't care anything about living for God, if you don't care anything about listening to God and going the way that God would have you to go, you really need to be honest with yourself. Just admit it. Because without that type of admittance, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be stuck right where you are. And that's not what God wants. He wants you to move on. He wants you to continue to grow. He wants you to be willing to confess your sin, that He might cleanse you of sin. (laughs) Come on, we have a loving, caring Heavenly Father. But if we're not willing to be honest... With ourselves, look. There's two people that know you completely, and we don't even know ourselves real good. But only, only two: God and you. You, you know the real you. No, you, you know the you that nobody else knows. Come on, I know this isn't falling on deaf ears. You know the you that nobody else knows. It's good that we have talks to God about that. We have to make sure that we're right with God. I mean, if we're running around trying to correct everyone else all the time, you probably have some real problems in your own life that need to be addressed. That's good preaching if I am doing it. When we learn to put God first the way that we should, and we put others second the way that we should, and we put ourselves last then we're learning what it means to live. Preacher told me years and years and years ago, always remember joy. Jesus first, others second, and you last. I'm telling you, it will bring real joy into your life. And then let's just address very quickly the promise of the pure in heart to the pure in heart. They shall see God. See, the pure in heart, they live every day as if they are in the visible presence of God while living on this earth. I mean, there should be no greater desire for the believer, excuse me, than to see God in every part of our life. We want to see God in our life, working in our life. How can we say that we love God without having a desire to see God and see God work, see God manifest in our own lives, what we're doing, how we live. I mean, how can we say we love God if, if we don't care anything about having a desire to see Him? 
One old preacher said one time, Lord, if I knew you were in China, I'd sell everything I have and get there as fast as I can so I can see you. Man, we should want to see God. We should want to see Him work in our own lives. We should want to see Him work in our families' lives. We should want to see Him work in the people around us, whether it's work or school, whatever the case may be. We should want to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. We know that we see God in, in, in creation. Uh, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Anyone can see that this world had a creator. It didn't just happen. Oh, no, no. There was an intelligent, intelligent design. To believe otherwise would be like taking some metal and some plastic, some wires, tossing them up in the air, and when they hit the ground, it's a laptop computer. That's just crazy thinking. God created this earth. God created you and me. Everything we see. Yeah. I didn't come from no monkey. I've often said a lot of my relatives hung by their neck. But none of them hung by their tail. Amen. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'll move on. I'll move on. Man, the sunrise, just watching the sunrise. Hey, the sun comes up slowly. Some of y'all don't know that. But really, the sun comes up slowly. Watching the sunrise, uh, looking at a single flower and all the beauty in that, the majestic mountains that are out there, a sunset that's painted by the hand of God. I know that none of those are God. No, 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 no. Those aren't God. But they set forth the glory of God in His creation. Nobody can paint like God. I'm telling you, nobody can make things as beautiful as God. Flowers and birds and things. It's just wonderful. And we see him in, in history. I mean, history is his story. The past speaks of his wisdom. The past speaks of his love. We have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. We have to understand that God is in control. Nothing's going to take place that will not honor his name down through eternity some way, somehow. We don't completely understand it because we don't see the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning like he does. Even with all this chaos going on in the world right now, we must believe that it's all part of His bigger plan. God does have a plan. And of course, we see God in the Scriptures. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I, I mean, His presence, His presence is on every page of the Bible. He's there. We see God in circumstances. I talked about circumstances, but we see God in circumstances. We don't always like it. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I mean, we can see God work in circumstances, even in bad circumstances, if we're keeping our eye on Him. If we're single-minded, I mean, if we're pure in heart, we can see God work. There's a change in heart of a person who sees God. I think about Bible, Bible, Bible characters, Abraham, Genesis 18, 27. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Changed Abraham's life. Job, we've been studying him on Wednesday nights. Job 42, 6 says, Where, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'm telling you, the closer we get to God, the more that we realize we need to be closer to God. The closer we get to God, the more we realize we fall short of the glory of God. God gives us comfort. God gives us peace. God gives us assurance. I'm all thankful for that. But also, God does give us the desire to even draw closer to Him because we're not what we need to be yet. Peter said in uh, 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 the Bible says of Peter in Luke chapter 5 and 8, when Simon, Simon Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. People say, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I just want to run up and, run up and hug Jesus' neck. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, but I'm figuring I'm going to be at his feet. Because I guarantee you, I'm not worthy to be there. The Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I don't know, Paul. I may have, uh, I may have bypassed you. 
The Apostle Paul, probably one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. The prophet Isaiah said, said in, over in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Well, I'm telling you, we get, we get close to God. We see God who, for who He is. We see ourselves how we really are. And when we see God, for who he is, it really does make a difference in how we see the souls of mankind. Luke chapter 15, verse 2, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That was Jesus himself. I'm glad he receiveth sinners. <laughs> I'd have never made it otherwise. We have to determine to be pure in heart. One aim, one desire, to be more like Christ in all that we always say and do. Always say and do. No, I'm, I'm right at done. But, but you know, Pastor, if I, if I start doing that, I mean, as seriously as you've talked about it this morning, if I start doing that, I mean, my life is going to really be different. Right. No, absolutely, yes, yes. Well, you know, that's going, to be, that's going to be hard for me because, you know, I'm probably going to have to admit to my wife about some things and, you know, that even apologize to some that, you know, my family and different things like that because I just haven't been. That's okay. I'm telling you, no, 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 don't let your pride stop you from doing that. Just determine you're going to be pure in heart that God is up here. He's number one. He matters the most. Doing what he says is more important than anything else. Even you. <clears throat> Too many times we stand in the way. We stand in the way. Because we've already got it figured out how we want to live and what we want to do. And what we don't want to do. And we stand in the way of God. Our own pride keeps us from being blessed. God wants to bless us. He wants to. He desires to. Let's make Him our one desire. To be more like Christ. And when we do, it will begin to change the way that we see everything. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Man, I love the way I can see God work in my family. I love the way I can see God work in my church. I love the way I can see God work in my daily life. I love the way I can see God work in my heart when I read His Word. I love the way that I can see God when I spend time with Him in prayer and know that He is there. No, no, no. It's not just some formality where I'm down saying a few words so I can get up and get, get on with the rest of my day. I'm telling you, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's make sure we have a heart for God. Why well, come, preacher? Because it leads to a life of being blessed. Being blessed. Well, that's pretty hard stuff. That's what I said before I started. But let God be true and every man a liar. Let's just listen to Him. Probably a good thing to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's bow our head for just a moment, if you will. Thank you so much for being so attentive this morning. Maybe there's someone here to say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I know Christ as my Savior. I'm not sure I've ever truly uh, put my faith in Christ, that I've been saved, that my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Preacher, I'm just not sure I have all that settled. Would you please just remember to say a prayer for me? I'd like to do that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody looking around in respect of the Lord and others. Uh, yeah, preacher, that's me. Would you just pray for me? Well, I'd like to. Would you slip your hand up wherever you're at? I, I'm, I'll not point you out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to come to you. I just would like to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure I know Christ as my Savior. I am not sure that I am saved. Would you please pray with me about that? Well, I'd love to do that. Anybody here like that this morning?
Anybody? You're here this morning and you say, God spoke to my heart, preacher. There's some, there's some things in my life I know that I need to allow God to deal with. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that, but, but I know I need God's help in that. Preacher, will you just please pray with me that I will allow God to have His way in my life. Would you allow me to pray with you like that? Just slip your hand up wherever you are. God bless your honesty there and there and there. Across the auditorium back there. God bless you and there. Thank you so very much. You may put your hands down. Others, yeah, preacher, that's me. I didn't raise my hand before, but I want to raise it now. God spoke to my heart. Would you just please pray with me, for me, that, that, that I will do what God wants me to do? You didn't raise your hand before. You want to raise it now? God bless your heart. God bless your honesty. Appreciate that so very much. I appreciate that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. We pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. We pray that you would convict them and convince them that you would bring them to that place. Lord, we can't save them. We don't want to act like we can. Only you can. And, and only you can as you draw them as, and, and as they yield, as they come to you. Uh, Lord, the heart turn to you. Father, I pray that you'd continue to work even after this service. I pray that they'd come down this morning and let us take a Bible and show them. But if they leave this place like that, I just pray you'd continue to work in their hearts and lives today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, Lord. Draw them to yourself. Save their soul, Lord. Please deal with them. And then all the hands across the auditorium. I don't know how you've dealt with folks, but I know that uh, we all need a little help in being pure at heart, pure in heart. Father, I pray for them. I don't know what their struggles are. I don't know what they're facing. I don't know what they're going through, but you do. And apparently they do. Very apparently, I pray that they'll just yield to you and they'll see victory in their life because of that. Bless this time of invitation. Help us, Lord. We pray, please, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for a moment, our heads bowed, our eyes closed.